Hello again, everybody. This is John Norris at Trading Perspectives. As always, our good friend Sam Clement. How are you doing today, Sam? I'm doing awesome, John. How are you doing? I can't complain. You know, Sam, I got to tell you, though, maybe I can complain just a little bit. Because there's some things going on in the, in the global business world today that I just frankly don't understand. And there's some economic theories being bandied about, which I don't I, I understand even less, frankly. Uh, the whole conversation about modern monetary theory I find is a little bit confusing. And if you want to hear more about that, our blog, Common Sense, on our Thought Leadership tab at oakworthcapital.com has an in-depth uh, analysis of that. So by all means, please go do that. But, you know, and talk about modern monetary theory, that's bad enough. Then all of a sudden people come up and start talking about this thing. And this is this has kind of quietly become to the fore recently something called the universal basic income, oftentimes uh, given the acronym UBI. And if you're not familiar with what this is, uh, it is as the name implies, frankly, a predetermined amount of money the government gives to each individual adult regardless of their ability, or Sam, even their, even their willingness right. to participate in the workforce. So universal means everyone, basic is a base or floor amount, and income, in this case, is not. I would argue, is maybe not income, but it's at least government from the money from the central government. And I've got to ask the question, who wouldn't like that? However, people of a certain age and people of a certain sort of maybe capitalist mindset have a very difficult time kind of grasping a UBI just based on maybe it just is so counter to what we have been we have been taught or indoctrinated as, as to how it should be how it should be. And this seems to be very popular amongst people of the younger generations. And so Sam, I'm gonna punt this to you and ask you why is this so popular? Do you have any sort of insight? Are your friends talking about this? Well, I mean, what's the skinny, my friend? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone's really talking about it, but I think you summed up why people like it so much. Who wouldn't want a little extra money in their pocket? Extra, I think 12000 is a number that's thrown around a lot of times for universal basic income. Who wouldn't want an extra $1,000 a month? And with that, thank you so much for listening to. <laughs> I mean, but, in all seriousness, you know we see lots of stuff happening today in this political culture. Uh, things that just sound good. Mm. Well, People mean, are going to support things that sound good, um, regardless of the consequences of yeah. it. And the thing is, when when you first bring up something like a UBI, and you say, "Here it is," it's a guaranteed income, if you will, or a guaranteed check from the federal government. It comes in your comes in your mailbox, your your mail slot, whatever your PO box, whatever it is, bay, I mean direct deposit, you get it every month whether you ask for it or not. And I guarantee you there are people uh, that are Fox News agents, maybe some folks that are militiamen or what have you, they're sitting there, and I'm going to do a Foghorn Leghorn impression right now. Do you know who Foghorn Leghorn is? I've heard it. Yeah, okay. Well, you're of a certain age. Foghorn Leghorn's just hysterical. But this is sort of the voice I use whenever I'm trying to trying to portray someone of, uh, of a different intellect. Well, I, I swear, I can't believe the government is going to give us $1,000 a month. That's just not fitting. <laughs> And there are plenty of people that are going to be very upset about this, saying this isn't the way it's supposed to be. This isn't what government's supposed to do, giving out hand, handouts. And in truth, it is kind of difficult, you know, at some measure to sit there and say, here we have people. And, you know, I mean, I've read things like the argument is with people who aren't working, people that are sitting around their house doing meth, sitting around drinking beer all day long. Here they are getting a guaranteed check from the government, which ostensibly or intuitively, comes from those people that have been have worked and taxed and paid into the system, and here we are giving it to free right. letters. Well, I think an important caveat in this conversation is whether or not it's a replacement of other uh, entitlement programs, whether or not it's summing up all these other programs we have, all these inefficiencies in programs, getting rid of those. I mean, 
there's even some conservatives that have been for this, and their argument is it can make the economy, it can make the government more efficient with, okay, here's your $12,000. No more, you know, there's literally, I think, 79 programs, 79 well, entitlement and, programs and, and that they that's, did. that's where the rubber meets the road, because while the UBI is being brought up by a lot of what we what the media calls more progressive yeah. uh, politicians and even candidates for um, the president, um, progressives, people on the left side of the aisle, the ones bringing up UBI. However, the more you peel back the layers of this onion, the more it's very attractive to conservatives, or should be. Frankly, so with that I, caveat, yeah, with that caveat, I mean, without a doubt, and that if if the Republicans were smart on this, they would attack this full force, saying we love the UBI, absolutely love a universal basic income. We're going to make it twelve hundred and fifty dollars a month for everyone, and we're scrapping every other entitlement program out there. Done. End of end of story. End of discussion. No more means-based testing yeah. no more anything this is what it's what it's going to i mean be. people would stop trying to hide income or mm-hmm. uh disincentivize going out and finding a job yeah. um but you know a negative income tax is something that i've read a lot about milton freeman uh, pioneered that in his uh, first big novel that he wrote yeah. um which kind of accomplishes some of those same goals you know it doesn't um disincentivize mm. not working well, I mean, however it, it really is it's a form of a universal basic income what, well Sam why don't you tell us a little bit more about that because uh, you know the UBI if you read enough of just sort of just general news you can go on CNN or what have you and find some discussion on this however I think you probably have to try, try a little bit harder to find commentary on negative income tax sure so explain the details so I mean more. Kind of like with a UBI, there's a floor, there's a max amount that you get. Say you're making zero dollars, you get this amount of money, whether it be twenty grand a year, twelve thousand a year, what have you. But for each additional dollar you make, you only lose a percentage of that negative income tax. So you're still incentivized to go out and find a job. You always make more money if you're bringing in an income. Well, well, let me ask you this one: since so much of our and and this might be just where I'm old. I don't process things maybe as quickly as I used to process them. <laughs> um, there's such a high percentage of the U.S. population right now that simply does not pay income tax sure. at all. How would this impact a negative income tax if these people aren't paying income tax anyhow? That's a good question. <laughs> so so I think we're kind of back to maybe. It's a great idea. Friedman is fantastic. Some of the stuff that – and you've probably been online and seen the YouTube where he just – eviscerates Phil Donahue, <laughs> which is hilarious, uh, to me at least. A lot of people might not find humor in that type of uh, banter or in any of it. But, but, but going back to the UBI, though, I mean, let's think about this. You know, it's being, you know, progressives are bringing it up, and my, my, my first reaction when I heard about it is, I can't believe this. Right. Really? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? I mean, how are we, though? And then all of a sudden I start going, well, yeah, if we get rid of all these other things. I mean, even if we keep some semblance of Social Security sure. going father people in and just get rid of everything else, yeah, we reduce so much bureaucracy in this country. Kind of puts a lot of it back into the people's hands. I mean, you're just Without giving them their money, well, letting them decide well, what they I mean, want to do with it. I mean, it, it gets through uh, no more fraud or otherwise gaming the system or at least less of it. And one of the things that was important to me is no more reason not to get married. Yeah. 
which I th- which I think is huge because I think that's a huge problem in society today. Uh, you know, we can discuss the definition of marriage, but in any event, a huge disincentive to marriage uh, to marriage right now is the way government programs are currently working. So for me, I'm going, okay, wait a second. By the time I got finished and reading and reading about the UBI, I was less against it beforehand with that caveat that we use a $12,000, $15,000. I don't know if it's $18,000. That's basic income. Fine. Okay, what, let's have at it. Sure. What have it. But you don't get anything else. Right. It's up to you from that point. And I would tell you, I think as much as I like that idea, that just ain't going to happen. Yeah, well, I see two flaws that people are going to point to when you bring this up. One, what about the people making millions of dollars a year? Why do, Isn't that a waste of government money to still give them an extra $18,000 a year? Well, then it wouldn't be a universal basic income if sure. they're not including they, everyone. Yeah, so that's one thing. And then, I mean, what what about those people that still spend that money and still need help after that? Well, it's it's you bring up some very valid points. I mean, and those and the point the point that you brought up a point maybe on the left side of the aisle. The point on the right side of the aisle is why should we give people money that aren't participating in the system? Right. You know, giving them money the hard earned fruits of, of of hard earned work and all that, all this that and the other thing. And I would tell you that I don't think we're ever going to come to a full fledged solution on this. Yeah. You know, that's going to be one of those ones. If we do have this, there is going to have to be some measure of compromise. But that compromise is, if we're going to have a UBI, means it's going to have to cover everyone. Yeah. And I think what will end up happening is we'll probably, if they do do something with this, I can't imagine it, but if they do do something, be some kind of grandfathering in on the Social Security retirement benefits and probably something to do with food stamps. Yeah, even some other, because sure, people spend their $12,000. I don't see any instance where the United States government's going to say, well, we already gave you your money. You're out of luck now. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, and, and, and in all seriousness, though, I mean, it's like, do you think the AARP with all the millions of dollars that they spend lobbying and paying off politicians. Truth, listen, that does happen. I'm sorry if I offended anyone with that. That does happen. All the money that all the vested interest groups in here, do you think the ARP is really going to let the uh, U.S. government do away with Social Security? No, not at all. Not, not, it's not even, not even close. Not even close. So I don't think that a pure UPI has any chance of passing it has more to do maybe on the left side of the aisle frankly because for what you said AARP is not going with their seniors you know lose their social security and we're also not going to have a UBI again with the universal that is going to you know take money out of the hands of people that are currently getting sure. dependent children and what have you all, all this that and the other thing so UBI I would actually argue favors the middle class, and even the upper class, far more so than it favors the lower classes. Yeah, I'd agree. But do you think a negative income tax is any more likely to pass? No. That seems like it has a, it's a little easier to stomach. I, I, I just have a very difficult time with this. I mean, there are so many different ways of, of um, skinning the cat, if, if you will, with earned earn income tax credits yeah, and all sure. this and the other thing. And that, in truth, that is really kind of the way that politicians curry favor with the people that give them great contributions, fiddling around with the tax code, which is part of the reason why our tax code is so Byzantine. So something like this with the UBI, it simplifies the tax code, one, and then also just absolutely eviscerates. This is the second time I've used that word, eviscerate, today. That's the third time I use it. I can go on with that. Um, the bureaucracy. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's almost in government's self-interest, best self-interest, to not do this. Because if you give everyone a basic level of income and get rid of all the other forms of, of handouts, 
you don't you don't need all these workers. A little more laws is fair economy. Well, I like it. I like it. But then there then there is the issue. Let's say we do do this, and I think the estimates are everyone over eighteen gets twelve thousand dollars a year. That's yeah. an additional three to three trillion dollars that the federal government has to come up with in some form or fashion. Um, and that's assuming that we do it on top of what we're currently doing and what have you, as opposed to getting rid of them. Um, how does the government pay for this? Sam, I mean, what are your thoughts on how would the government possibly pay for all this? Well, money? some people might like to point back to your moder- modern monetary theory argument with that. <laughs> Just print more money. <laughs> so we're going to do it with magic. Uh, with, hey, with we, got, we got printing machines. Our debt's in our own money. <laughs> It's flawless. I think that's what they said in the Weimar Republic as well. Yeah. So uh, something the similar in the in the forties and what have you, and even the Zimbabweans have their had their own currency. Uh, so in any event, no, that's that's probably the that's probably going to be the most off given um, way of, of paying for all this by by printing money, modern mon- monetary theory, and then soaking that back up with increased amount of taxes on the other end. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a hard sell to the American public. There's an assumption that the more we spend, there's always going to be higher future taxes to pay for our current spending. So that's kind of a hard pill to swallow for some people, well, the an thing, extra $3 trillion. The thing is, you know, I have done a lot of economics work. I've downloaded a lot of data all throughout the years. And, you know, whether we're talking about modern monetary theory, whether we're talking about a universal basic income, no matter what we're talking about, there are all these schemes in which to get more money out there and get the government, frankly, more money. You know, so that's a primary primary consideration when growing the economy is make sure that, well, you know, it's in the best interest of government, which confuses the bejeebers out of me, but it is what it is. Um, I have generally found, and I've done run number after number after number, I've done quarterly, I've done annual, and the best way of growing governmental tax receipts is how, Sam? Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's... It's math. (laughs) It's simply math. And the best way of growing the economy is not worrying about the G portion of the equation, frankly. It is actually unfettering the C and I portions uh, or components of the C plus I plus G equation and ensuring that consumers and businesses have more money to spend. It's a much higher multiplier effect, much higher velocity of money throughout the system when when the private enterprise system is free to work. That doesn't mean that we won't have recessions. We will. However, what it does mean is that when consumers get to decide how they want to spend and invest their money, good things generally happen. Yeah. I mean, it's... Long term. You put it. You get an extra dollar out of the economy. You get about what seventy seventy percent of that now. Sure. Off the consumer. Okay. Yeah. Is in about ten percent, ten or twelve percent off the government. Something like that. Yeah. So. I mean, you're telling me the math. You're telling me the math just works. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. I I, I would argue about the UBI. It is more conservative friendly than progressive friendly. Frankly. If done correctly. Yeah, that's that's our big caveat with both of our yeah. points on this yeah. is the elimination of other entitlement yeah. programs and, with and, this. And, and, the, and if they can do that, which I think is about a, politically possible as uh, snowflakes in hell, frankly. I mean, there's just not going to be any way around it. But if they can do that, I might find, might have some, some support for it. Yeah, but if it's not, we're just going to throw it on top of everything else that we're currently doing. I would be very, very much against it because yeah. there'd be absolutely no way to pay for it. Right. Um, and that's just unless we do the, the magic uh, that is modern monetary theory, which will lead to bad things down the road. I mean, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. 
So, Sam, do you have anything else? That's all I got. I mean, right. I think so. I think we got our points across. I think we got our points across, and we're going to end, uh, end up here today saying, hey, guys, listen, this is uh, the UBI is something we're going to hear increasingly a lot about over the next 18 months, and I'm going to tell you it's not all bad if you do it correctly. Now, if you do it correctly, uh, that means it uh, could, uh, could be a far more efficient federal government that we have, and that is not in Washington's best interest. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you want less government programs? <laughs> One would think. But there are too many people making too much money off of ensuring that the federal government is as inefficient as is possible. There you go. There, there I have it. I, I can't end with anything better than that. So, guys, thank you all so much for listening. We always love to hear from you all. So if you have any questions or comments, please let us know. You can send us an email to tradingperspectives at oakworthcapital.com, where you can leave us a review on the podcast outlet of your choice. As I always say, if you enjoyed what you heard today, please, by all means, share it with your friends, neighbors, loved ones. Post it on social media or on your LinkedIn page. And do that also if you didn't like it as well. Say, well, listen to these guys. They don't know what they're talking about. By all means, just share us. If you're interested in hearing more or reading more of what we have to say or th- and how we think, you can always check out our blog, Common Sense, at oakworthcapital.com underneath the Thought Leadership tab. That's quite a mouthful, Sam. It is. <laughs> but I say it every week. <laughs> With that, Sam, you got anything else? That's all I got. Me too. Y'all take care.